0: And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Let's pray together. Father, we uh, thank you for your presence here uh, this morning, Father. Um, We have uh, hearts that are hard. We have minds that are often clouded and distracted, Father. So we pray that you would break through the hardness of our hearts and the distracted nature of our minds so that we can see you here clearly this morning. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, I was thinking uh, the other day of, uh, of one of my uh, sons, and on this particular day, uh, he was having kind of a hard day. Uh, I don't know if he didn't sleep well the night before or uh, he was just having a bad day or whatever it was, but uh, he was kind of overly emotional. He was crying at just every single thing that happened. Every minor little bump, every minor little bruise, every little offense uh, seemed to bring him to tears uh, just at the drop of a hat. So we pulled him aside and we said, son, you gotta, you gotta be careful with crying over so many things uh, because of the boy who cried wolf. And he looked at us like we were crazy. He said, "What? Are you? he's looking around. He said, is there a boy? In, and is he crying wolf somewhere? And I'm just missing this. So we sat and we told him the story of the boy that cried wolf. And we said, son, if you are always crying about every little bump and bruise, we're never going to know when you're really hurt uh, with something that happens to you. What we did is we used a story. It's kind of a bizarre story when you think about it, but we used a bizarre story to communicate to our son in that moment, some sort of truth or lesson about life. And we see a lot of that whenever we read uh, the gospels that are found uh, in the New Testament of the scriptures. Those gospels tell uh, the story of the life and teachings of Jesus Christ, who we believe to be God's son who came to live on this earth over a span of 33 years. And one of Jesus's favorite things to do was to use parables. And he used these parables, he used these stories in order to communicate truth in a creative and profound way. A parable was a teaching method, a teaching method that was used by Jesus to communicate a truth or a moral or to illustrate it, in a different way than we would just do by teaching something directly. Whenever Jesus used one of these parables, he, he uh, provoked an imagination. We know often when our imaginations are provoked that they have the ability to communicate truth that doesn't just speak to our minds, but also often speaks to our heart and to our will and to our, emot- or our emotions. Often his parables were rooted in common life experience. Uh, The audience in which he taught to was an agrarian society. It was a very simple society, or at least much more uh, simple than the society we live in today. It was often a very poor society. So many of the the parables emphasize uh, poverty. They emphasize uh, agrarian illustrations and things that Jesus used to communicate truth. If you go throughout the Gospels, Jesus used some 40 parables all throughout his teaching to communicate truth. And this morning, we're going to look at two of these parables that he used. We looked at uh, the parable of uh, the lost sheep that Jesus tells in the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke. But we also see the parable of the lost coin that Alyssa shared in our kid's story that shared with us in the Gospel of Luke as well. Both of those stories are contained in Luke chapter 15. There's actually three of these stories in Luke chapter 15. The story of the lost sheep, the story of the lost coin, and the story of the lost son. And what a lot of people have done is they looked at chapter 15 and said that this is the gospel message contained in the gospels. And what they mean by that is that if you're looking for the essence of what it means to be a Christian... If you're looking for the essence of what it means to follow Jesus with your life, then look at Luke chapter 15 and the three parables that it contains. And that's what we're going to look here. We're going to do this morning. We're going to look at these two stories in Luke chapter 15. And we're going to see three very simple and three very profound things that they tell us. They tell us something profound about us, about humanity. They tell us something profound about God, and then they tell us what to do in response to the two other things that we've learned. The first thing they tell us is something about ourselves. These parables tell us something about ourselves. The first story tells us about a lost sheep and about a shepherd who pursued after this lost sheep, one that left the rest of the herd in order to find the sheep that was lost. One of the things that I've realized is that all of humanity, this is not the profound thing, by the way, that this passage tells us. It's just something I've observed. But all of humanity can be divided into one of two categories. There are dog people and there are cat people. Okay? There are dog people and there are cat people. I would say that I, in particular, am a dog person. And it's not because I am against cats. It's just because I am suspicious of them. Have you ever been there before? You've been in a room with a cat and it's just staring at you. Right, And it's, it's almost like it's dispassionately sizing you up, wondering whether it is more intelligent than you are. And many people say that cats are incredibly intelligent people. And I just feel like every time I enter a room and a cat's looking at me, it's saying, you know, I'm really smarter than you, and I can figure you out at any moment. Well, the opposite end of the animal intelligent spectrum from cats has to be sheep. And our passage talks a lot about sheep. In fact, the scriptures in general talk a lot about sheep. They use sheep and shepherds as an illustration frequently throughout the scriptures. Because sheep were not known to be particularly intelligent animals. That's why they needed shepherds. They needed people to shepherd and care for them. Their inclination was to constantly separate from the herd and to go about and do their own thing. They were known to be mischievous, always kind of getting into trouble or wandering off and finding themselves in precarious and dangerous situations. And Jesus uses this parable about sheep as an illustration to tell us something really profound about ourselves. He says that we, just like those sheep, are lost. We are lost. The Christian story tells us that humanity in general has strayed from its original intention. It tells us, the scriptures, that humanity has rebelled against God and we have chosen to go our own way. And because of that, we have become estranged from God our Father. Because of that, we all have become spiritually lost. We are like the lost sheep that wandered off in the story. Now, it may be tempting for all of us to look at this story and think it's just kind of a a really sweet story that Jesus was telling. But if you look at the context and you look at the audience that he was telling this story to, you realize that there's much more bite to what Jesus is saying here than we first realize. You see, Luke is very careful to tell us that there were two types of people surrounding Jesus when he told this story. They were two types of people that surrounded him often throughout his career, but in particular, they were the audience that were surrounding Jesus when he told this story. The one type of person was labeled by Luke as a sinner. These were people that were considered to be the dregs of ancient society. They were those people who would walk down the street and other people would talk about them after they walked down the street. They were known in their culture to be adulterers, tax collectors, cheaters, swindlers, And what's interesting about the Gospels is you see that Jesus surrounded himself by these people. He surrounded himself by these misfits and they felt absolutely and wonderfully welcomed and loved by Jesus. But there was another type of people that surrounded Jesus as well. And the scriptures call them the Pharisees. These people were the religious elite of Jesus's day. They were well respected in their society. They were kind of full of themselves. They were arrogant and prideful, very proud of their own self-righteousness. They were the ones that would grumble about the sinners after they walked by. And in a culture that was much more uh, that saw religion and society much more enmeshed with one another, these were the people that were the most respected in their society. They were the ones who everybody looked at and said they are the most successful and well-put-together people. They were the ones that everybody emulated because it appeared that they had it all together. But the Pharisees had a hard time with Jesus. They had a hard time because Jesus claimed to be God and yet at the same time still chose to welcome and spend his time with the dregs of society. He chose to surround himself with sinners. It was in that context that Jesus told this story. Because what he was doing is he was making a subtle statement about the nature of their hearts. He was saying that the sinners were the ones that understood that they were lost. And Jesus commended them for that. But he said the Pharisees were deceived. They were deceived into thinking that they were not lost. And Jesus actually condemns them for that. See, the scriptures are clear that there is one common condition to all men. And that all men have become spiritually lost. Whether you look at your life and you perceive yourself to be a success or you perceive yourself to be a failure the scriptures are clear that you have spiritually wandered from God. Whether you have an impressive life resume or a weak life resume, the scriptures are clear that all men have become estranged from God. Whether you have a little tiny financial portfolio or a wonderfully robust financial portfolio, the scriptures are clear that every person stands before God as spiritually bankrupt and the sinners in Jesus day were the ones that understood this they were the ones that had come to the end of themselves they were in one, the ones that were in touch with the true reality of their souls but not the pharisees the pharisees were deceived into thinking that they were not lost Friends, each one of us is born with a gnawing sense inside of us that perhaps something in our lives is missing. We wonder day in and day out if, if what we have in life is all there really is. We believe often that if we just get one more thing that will improve our lives, then we will be satisfied But then when we get that more money or when we get that promotion or that thing we most desire, we find that it in itself is hollow as well. And the hollowness returns. This is because ultimately all of us are lost without God. Our lack of fulfillment, our lack of joy, our lack of peace will never be satisfied until it is satisfied in a relationship with God. So our passage tells us something profound about humanity. It tells us that all of humanity is lost. But it also tells us something profound about God as well. It tells us that though we are lost, he is the good shepherd that pursues after us. In the first parable, the shepherd goes out, he leaves uh, the rest of the herd behind to find the one sheep that was lost because that sheep had become so precious to him, he was willing to leave all the others behind in order to pursue it. The second parable tells us that the woman finds her lost coin so valuable that she turns her house upside down, searching everywhere for this coin that has become lost. Jesus said this in John 10. He said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. Jesus Jesus is telling us why he came in time and in space and in history. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to do everything that needed to be done to save us from our lostness. To save us from our estrangement from God the Father, He found you and I so precious. He found us so valuable that He pursues after us vigorously. One commentator wrote, "God loves each of us as if we were on, as, as if there were only one of us to love." But I think this image deepens more than just recognizing Jesus as the good shepherd. There's something even deeper happening here because Jesus goes on to say this. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus is the lamb who sacrifices himself for his sheep. In the ancient culture, sheep were used for three different things. Simply, they were used for food. They were raised and then they'd be killed and they were used to feed people. They were also used for clothing. They would, la- they would live a lot longer if they were used for clothing because their usefulness would extend beyond just uh, one year and they could create clothing for the people in this uh, poor agrarian culture. But they also had one other purpose, They were often used for sacrifices. Many of the sheep in Jesus's day that the shepherds would care for were sheep that were being raised for the Jewish ritual worship. You see, the Jews taken from the Old Testament system believed that blood would need to be shed in order for them to experience the forgiveness of sin. And many of these sheep that were raised by these shepherds would go into the temple and they would be killed. Their blood would be shed. And that was symbolic in front of the Jewish people that blood needed to be shed in order for their sins to be forgiven. So what Jesus is saying here is profound. He's saying that I am the sacrificial sheep. I am the one who will sacrifice himself for the forgiveness of sins. I am the one true sacrifice that brings forgiveness for sin and rebellion once and for all. The gospel tells us that we are so precious and so valuable to Jesus that he didn't just come as a good shepherd in order to pursue us, but he also comes as a a sheep who willingly offered his life to purchase forgiveness for sins. Jesus is the good shepherd because he became the sacrificial sheep. He was motivated by love that is unfathomable, love that is immeasurable, so much so that he pursued after you and I who were lost and that pursuit took him all the way to the cross. So the parable tells us that we were lost. It tells us that Jesus has become the the good shepherd by becoming the sheep on our behalf. But it tells us one more thing. It tells us what to do in response to this message. Jesus says in John 10, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. He tells us to listen to his voice. To listen to the voice of the good shepherd that calls into our lives. To know that God vigorously pursues after you. He calls to you. He calls the words of life into your heart. Hear his voice. It was said in the ancient society when uh, the sheep became so intimately involved in the life of their shepherd that whenever that shepherd would call out for the sheep, the sheep would actually recognize his voice and they would come and follow him. In fact, often the herds would would mix together with one another. They'd get all enmeshed with one another. And all they had to do to to separate the herds is to have the shepherd call out. Because they were so intimately connected to his voice, they would immediately follow. Jesus is the good shepherd who cares deeply for his sheep. Listen to his voice. It tells us to listen, but it also tells us to repent. It tells us to to flee from the squalor of our lostness. Because the joy, the voice of Jesus tells us to turn away from living for ourselves and instead live in a relationship with God. Our passage tells us to hear his voice, to turn from living for ourselves and ultimately to be received and restored into the arms of our good shepherd. It was often known that sheep, when they wander, really knew how to wander. <laughs> and they would often wander miles and miles away from the herd, and a good shepherd would literally track his sheep for miles and miles and miles until they found him. But often, when they would find them, the, the sheep would be too tired to walk back to the herd. They would become too agitated or disruptive, disrupted by their, their, their bad state that often the shepherd would need to pick up the sheep, put the sheep around his neck and carry him back to his herd. Our passage tells us not just to listen, not just to repent, but to be carried back and restored by our father. And then finally, join in on the celebration. The story of the lost sheep ends with joy and rejoicing over the sheep that was found. The story of the lost coin ends with friends and neighbors being called for a major celebration over a coin that was lost and is now found. I don't know what you've heard, but I think Christians get a bad rap in some ways. They get a bad rap for for being dour, for being stoic, for being very serious, for sometimes being uh, the ultimate killjoys at whatever parties. But if you look at the scriptures, you'll see that a life of following Jesus was often a life of celebration. It was a life of celebration that looked forward to the ultimate celebration in almost every instance that you read about heaven is a story about celebration. But what's beautiful about all those stories is the biggest celebrator, the biggest partier, the one who is rejoicing more than anyone else at the party is God himself, rejoicing over the fact that we who were lost have now been found. Friends, don't uh, deceive yourself like the Pharisees did in Jesus's day. Instead, honestly, look at your life. Come to terms with the lostness that we all feel. And in that moment, hear the voice of the good shepherd. Repent, be restored, and celebrate. Let's pray.